I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. The lights dim. The silver screen glows. A feeling of anticipation, excitement, and dread begins to simmer inside of you. You're settling in, popcorn in hand, looking for adrenaline. You're looking to feel fear. For all you horror fans out there looking to get your fix, you are in luck. Next week, the Music Box Theater is screening House on Haunted Hill, William Castle's 1959 classic. I am William Castle, the director of the motion picture you're about to see. I feel obligated to warn you that some of the sensations, some of the physical reactions which the actors on the screen will feel will also be experienced for the first time in motion picture history by certain members of this audience. Castle was a pioneer in horror gimmicks that took the experience of watching his films to the next level. So to find out more about the eccentric director, we're talking to Morgan Wiersinski, co-programmer for next week's screening. Also with us is Jeremy Martyr, the other half of the programming duo. All right, Jeremy, give us the rundown on William Castle. For those of us who aren't horror super fans, who is he? Yeah, absolutely. Um, William Castle is one of those directors who is known, well known among certain niche horror crowds, but he doesn't have the same uh, reputation amongst regular movie-going audiences and and a mass population. Um, but he's one of those people who pioneered a whole style of horror and introduced certain things, uh, gags and gimmicks mm-hmm. into his shows uh, and influenced uh, the rest of film history, Hollywood history and horror as we know it. So I got to ask, and it's a tough question. I'm sorry. But in your opinion, and I'll start with you, Morgan, are these movies good? I mean, are they scary? They are scary. I I think they are. Okay. We just rewatched a few of them recently, thinking to maybe... Uh, you know, just reacquaint ourselves with with some of his material. And we were scared. We were not intending to be, but we were scared. They are scary. Okay. What do you think, Jeremy? Scary? Yeah. So what I was shocked when I watched these movies, because I think they have a reputation of being these schlock B-horror movies, um, was just how good they were, how beautiful they were shot, how good the blocking was, how good the performance, people like Vincent Price. uh, That was sort of... Uh, something that I noticed when I was watching. And there's just these moments that are just, they just transcend. Um, But what we didn't experience was we didn't get to watch them in the theater. Mm. We didn't get the full gimmickry. We didn't get the full experience. And that that makes a difference, I would think. Uh, Let's listen to a bit of uh, what made his movies unique. This is a disclaimer from his film Macabre. This is the fright break. Do you hear that sound? It's the sound of a heartbeat, a frightened, terrified heart. Is it beating faster than your heart or slower? This heart is going to beat for another 25 seconds. To allow anyone to leave this theater who is too frightened to see the end of the picture. Morgan, Castle sounds like a character. Talk about some of those crazy things that he did to you know, put together uh, for the screenings of this film. Sure. So in Macabre, he that was the first film that he financed on his own. He mortgaged his house to finance this film. Wow. Which included him promising a thousand dollar life insurance policy to anyone who watched the film and died of fright. 
the caveat was said at the top of the show that if you had a heart condition or if you killed yourself, you would not be promised the money. You would not get the money from the film. Oh, my goodness. So... And these gimmicks worked? These were successful gimmicks? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they they sort of gained notoriety, um, especially uh, the films that sort of followed. Uh, House on Haunted Hill promised Emerjo, a element of the screen would come into the movie. Uh, the Tingler, which is the one after that, uh, the uh, it was called Percepto. Yeah. They had these great like carnival gimmick games uh, that would be like names for these things uh, that you would feel the movie itself in the theater. Uh, he would rig up... Uh, electric seats and such. Well, I'm glad you brought up Percepto. Let's let's talk about that that gag. Here's audio from a documentary uh, short. It's called William Castle Hollywood Barnum. It was called Percepto. They had motors, vibrating buzzing motors that they hooked to the bottoms of people's seats. It looked like a, like a little air conditioning unit. It was like a joy buzzer type of thing. It's actually what was happening was a sudden vibration which felt like a shock. At any time you are conscious of a tingling sensation may obtain immediate relief by screaming. So, Morgan, as, as, as Jeremy mentioned, Percepto was used for his 1959 film, The Tingler. I mean, it reminds me of the moving chairs and other, like, sensory effects that we see in today's, you know, 40X theaters. Was Castle maybe ahead of his time, in a way? I think so. I think he was so ambitious and so bold with some of these gimmicks that he influenced a lot of a lot of directors following that he knew that he had to go big and so he just committed to going big it was totally ahead of his time at this yeah. was kind of radical what he was doing it was wild tell us more about the tingler jeremy and, and sure. just how this particular gimmick was used absolutely so the tingler uh, we watched that as well in preparation for this whole series as we we're programming it um, what awesome research you get to do for yeah, your job so much no, fun. Right? <laughs> uh, the tingler uh, the idea of the tingler is that there's a creature that when you are so frightened, it crawls up your spine and controls you. And the only way to get rid of the creature is to scream. So there's a part of the film where the screen goes black. And they say the, the tingler, the tingler's in the theater. And the whole audience has to scream. And what the audience didn't know is that the theater itself was rigged up with uh, electric seats. So you'd feel the tingler oh. as you watch the film. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it sounds like he was keen on his movies just being a spectacle. Morgan, I mean, can you talk a bit about his upbringing as well and, and what maybe led him to these theatrics? Sure. So his background before entering the world of film is in theater. When William Castle was 13, he saw a stage play of Dracula, which was starring Bella Lugosi, and was so enamored with the film and so, or with the play, excuse me, that he knew that he wanted to take the theatrics of something like that and translate them onto film. Mm. He obtained Orson Welles' phone number and got Orson Welles to lease him the Stony Creek Theater in Connecticut when Orson Welles was leaving to film Citizen Kane. He began to use his experience in film and theater to uh, to come up with these big gimmicks that kind of merged theater and, and film. I see. Yeah, the theater background makes perfect sense. <laughs> of course that's what he did before he got into films. You're listening to Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. And if you're just tuning in, we're talking about the campy horror director William Castle with Music Box programmers Morgan Wersinski and Jeremy Martyr. Today marks 46 years since his death. And next week, the Music Box is screening Castle's 1959 horror film House on Haunted Hill. Tickets are on sale now. 
Okay, next up in the gimmicks here, or the techniques, 13 ghosts. So here's a little bit about a, a castle technique known as illusiono. When you see 13 ghosts, you'll be given a supernatural viewer like this, which will enable you to penetrate for the first time into the spirit world. In this film, he had ghosts on the screen that you can't actually see unless you have your ghost viewer. 13 ghosts materializing in ectoplasmic color through the magic of Illusiono. That sounds insane, Jeremy. Like, a, yeah. a, a, what an innovation back I then. I know. It's, it's, it's so, so you had, far... like, special glasses on? Or? Yes. So for this, uh, kind of similar to our 3D glasses, Yeah. Um, he was an innovator in that sort of... Except you see ghosts. So the whole idea <laughs> is that one eye was red and one eye was blue. Um, you would cover one eye and you'd be able to see the ghosts. And if you were too afraid, you can cover the other guy eye and the ghost would not be on the screen. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, what about cinema in general? I mean, were Castle's gimmicks inspiring others to maybe go in that direction and try similar things? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there are a few directors who uh, cite Castle as one of their favorite directors. Um, John Waters, uh, the uh, camp master himself, uh, cites Castle as his favorite director um, and said that he grew up with these experiences, with going, experiencing Percepto and Emerjo mm -hmm. and... Uh, you could see it throughout his works, uh, as well as uh, Robert Zemeckis. Hmm. Uh, and Zemeckis actually started a production company called Dark Castle, uh, inspired by William Castle's works, uh, in order really? to remake the films, but also just pay homage. I understand, Morgan, that he was almost brought on to um, direct the horror classic Rosemary's Baby. How did he lose that opportunity? Well, he... The the production company for uh, Rosemary's Baby uh, wanted a newer a newer director. Mm -hmm. He ended up just producing the film, um, which was where he kind of got his his role in um, being able to translate those things on such a bigger screen. Okay, Rosemary's Baby was such a commercial hit, uh, more so than any of his films. That um, when he lost uh, the chance to direct Rosemary's Baby, he went back to his own works and kind of changed his style a little bit. Rosemary's Baby was in 68. Yeah. And we can see his style change to uh, a little bit different after that. And we think maybe because he lost that opportunity, he just wanted to try something new. Maybe it got him to rethink what he'd been doing. And, you know, uh, maybe folks were getting fatigued of, of that style. Yeah, he his his gimmicks just were less after that. We think maybe he was... Uh, prompted or, or advised to to cut the gimmicks a little bit. Um, he was working with bigger name actors like Joan Crawford at the time um, and kind of transitioning away from bits and onto uh, just keener source material. Yeah. So you're keeping his memory alive, Jeremy, and you're showing a screening of House on Haunted Hill. Yes. Okay, no spoilers for the film or for the event. Give us a peek behind the curtain, will you? What, what can we expect? Absolutely. So... The day of the event, um, which is uh, the 7th and the 8th, uh, June 7th and 8th here at the Music Box Theater, uh, we're going to rig up the whole theater, not just the, not just the, the screen itself, mm -hmm. but the whole space uh, to be in the style of William Castle. We're going to have it sort of be so where you can walk around and learn a little bit about William Castle. Um, there's wow. going to be a person there 
Uh, Matt Harding, who has, who collects William Castle memorabilia, so that will be there. We're, we're going to have our, our own version of the Coward's Corner, which was another of his gags, where if you wanted to leave the film, you would have to walk into the Coward's Corner and everyone could laugh at you on your way out. Oh, my goodness. And you'd get your so money fun. back, but you had to experience that shame. So we're going to have our own experience <laughs> of that there, um, as well as the House on uh, Haunted Hill. Yeah. We're going to have Emerja. We're going to have the gag from the movie itself. That's the big show. That That's so fun. Morgan, what else do you have on deck at the Music Box before we let you go? We've got a lot of fun stuff. We've yeah. got, um, like Jeremy said, an opportunity to learn about William Castle, which we think is the most important mm-hmm. in honoring him. Um, but addition, in addition to some of his more famous gags, we have some modern takes on some of our own interpretations of the gimmicks uh, using a little bit newer technology that maybe he didn't have access to. Things that uh, we used to modernize some stuff we think he would have liked. Yeah, that sounds so fun. We've been talking with Morgan Wersinski and Jeremy Martyr. They're programmers at the Music Box Theater. Like they said, you can catch the screening of William Castle's House on Haunted Hill next week. That's June 7th and 8th. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much for having us on. This episode of Reset was produced by Ethan Schwab, and it was edited by Andrew Merriweather and Meha Ahmed. That's all for today. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday. Saturday.